Hello, this is Chris. And this is Andrew, and welcome back to uh, the next part of Video Games Cover to Cover's endless and forever coverage of The Witcher 3. Hey, as far as I'm concerned, also it's part 18. I was about to say, <laughs> I was going to say that, but then you immediately went into, as far as you're concerned. You know, as far as I'm concerned, I, I'm happy with it being endless, so, you know, bring it on. Bring this the is, Witcher on. This is a real shift in attitude from the last time we recorded stuff, where we we were uh, feeling really worn down. Well, the last time we recorded stuff, the series had not come out on Netflix yet. That is true. And now it has. So Chris has been revitalized by new content. It has been revitalized because I absolutely loved it. I will say, I've been kind of revitalized too, just by virtue of... The further I got into Hearts of Stone, the more I was getting into the game again. Yeah, that's that was a big part of it, too, because everything that I was expecting... At this point, I finished it, Same and here. I think we're probably going to be done with Hearts of Stones at the end of this episode. If not, we'll be pretty close, yeah. But, I mean, pretty much nothing I was expecting occurred... And I think I'm happy with that. I mean, honestly, except for the fact that Gaunter Odim is like some evil god being, apparently. I mean, I was pretty much expecting that. Is I already was expecting that even more so from what we were talking about before about the Crossroads demon and stuff. Like, I fully did not expect him to be a good dude. No, no, no. I, I, I agree. But apparently he's not even a demon. And we'll get into more of that later. But yeah. So let, let's go back to Volomir and the party. Yeah, because we kind of left off in the middle of that. And yeah, as, so as I recall, we were basically talking about some of the different things you could do at the wedding when when we ran out of time last episode. So I did everything. I did too. I mean, I think I think you can't quite actually do everything before time runs out, but because time advances every time you do something. I still did everything. I, I swear there's one or two question marks I, I couldn't get to. I literally just... Because, like, once it switches out, there were things I still... There was, like, one thing I think I could... I never made it to. So, like, what what all did you do? Uh, the pigs. Uh, the flirting with the girl. And then beating up her brothers. Um, talking to Gaunter. Dancing. Um, Gwent. Uh, I know there's more. Name off some of the things you did. So, I did all of that up to and including... The thing where you have your shoe and you throw it oh, into yes. the fountain. Oh, yes. I did the shoe as well. I went and got the fire eater. Yep. Did that. Like, there wasn't anything I else. I swear I thought there was something else that was there because it just, as you go through each thing, time goes on. And I swear there were question marks that I, or like dots that I just ran out of time on. But maybe I'm, mis- maybe I'm just misremembering. I, I, I know for a fact I did every single dot. Okay. Whether In it advanced case, the no, time I didn't or not. Miss anything. I know that I did every single dot. What I, I, it's very possible that I could be forgetting one of the things that you did, but there was nothing on my left on my screen when it said go ready because because my when when I was ready to do it, it basically just said go back inside and yeah do the thing. Well, I know. So it it sort of like split things into a couple phases because like it was while it was still light out, and then the dots shifted a little bit after the dance, and then it was dark, and then. So maybe there yeah. were new dots that you didn't have. T- maybe there were dots that you didn't have time for when it shifted. Yeah. But I thought that there everything at the end of the night, there were no dots left. Yes. Same here. That's what I was thinking. Is I'm pretty sure, especially in the day, I'm pretty sure there were things we just didn't have time for. 
Uh, because what I did during the day was I did the pigs, and I guess my question is, did you use Axne on them? I did. I don't even know if you can't. Can, did you do it without? Yeah. Oh, like yeah, I, I did I, it without. I eventually try, and then yeah, they kick. They they say you cheated and don't you don't get the prize. That's what I figured. Yeah. I figured they would be like, oh, well, he's using his Witcher tricks. Yeah. And so I I figured there there was sort of some foreshadowing because. When Volomir, when you stroll up to the wedding initially, because that's the very first thing that I did, other than completely, like, emasculate the groom, um, because that's what Volomir wants to do, I guess. <laughs> Which, yeah, no, I, don't, I don't think there's a way you can, an option you can pick that doesn't end with that. And so, as soon as it gave me the option to end the conversation, I did that, because I'm like, Shawnee is not going to be, happy, gonna be happy if he keeps being a huge jerk to this groom. So... The first thing I did was the pigs, but when you were strolling up to the wedding itself, he was going, oh, man, I really hope I get the opportunity to use one of your Witcher signs. Yeah. He, and then the very first thing that. I did was the pigs, and it, I had the option of using Axie, and I was like, I don't think I should. And so I ran around and just kind of, what you can do is you can block the pigs using the other pigs and Geralt himself, and then the pigs just kind of, run into the cage all you have to do is get them close and then they automatically just run in so that's what i did and i was able to do it without it and then i got the prize and then you give it to shawnee and she was really happy about that what's the prize uh it's it was just some crown thing i think that then she was able to wear for the rest some, of the some ceremony. random like garland thing it was so i i can't honestly it's i that was the i i did that last week so i don't exactly remember but i do remember i i did it without it and they did claim me as champion um so it's very funny that if you don't use it or if you do use it they basically say you're a cheater and yeah don't give it to you because they almost never there's almost never like a consequence for using the signs like that so that is kind of funny yeah it's very rare that it actually comes up and so then the very next thing i did was i went and fished out her boot yeah but I also fished out everybody else's boots. Me too. And then I brought them back up. And then Volomir's like, here, Shawnee. And then she goes, yeah. Don't think I didn't notice the fact that you fished everyone else's boots out too. Yep. He's like, well, you know, they'll, they'll all be very grateful that I retrieved their boots too. He goes, but out of your gratitude, can I have a kiss? He's like, well, why don't you go ask one of the other people whose boots you got? Yes, that was so funny. And it, it was just really hilarious when you walk up in this whole boot situation and the premise is, is just, it's kind of one of those funny wedding random games where it's yeah. just like throw your boot into this muddy pool and have your, your um, betrothed or boyfriend or whoever he is, go get it for you. And then you have this disappointed girl up there like you useless pig. Like what's, how could you not get that boot? And he's like, I don't know. And, it, and he, and I think he fished up some like can or something. Yeah. I can't remember what it was, but he fished up something and it wasn't her boot. And she was like, this is ridiculous. Well, obviously he wasn't the only one though. Cause there's like four boots down there. There was. And I, and I thought that was kind of like, so for the rest of this wedding, she doesn't have a boot and rightfully she's ticked off about that. But at the same time, it's kind of like, I mean, you threw your boot in there. Yeah. You had to know that that was possibly what could happen. At a certain point, like you have to know that there's a possibility of not getting that boot. But I will say 
apparently you have unlimited time to go get the boot because I went down and went up and went down and went up multiple times just to make sure that I actually had her specific boot because I didn't remember what it looked like. And so I just wanted to make sure I grabbed every single thing down there. So yeah. that way it was a hundred percent guarantee that I would also get hers. If you go back without hers, she just gets like makes a snitty comment. It doesn't end or anything. Oh, really? Yeah. Because I thought I had it and went back and I didn't. And so then you go back in and get it anyway? Yes. Now, see, that's what the guy should have done. He should he should spend the rest of his evening in that pool of water trying to get his lady's boot. I will say that. He shouldn't have just given up, you know? Yeah. But yeah, no, because if you go back, I found like three of them. Like the only one I didn't get was hers, I guess, because I didn't see any more red when I used the Witcher sense. Well, and because she dropped it like... Right Basically, in front of, right way in front away. of you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so far. It's like all the way in the back. Yeah. It's like, how did that even happen? I understand that like water and stuff, but there are no currents because this is just a regular just pond. Pool. Yeah. And I have to say, this is a deep pond. I can't imagine. Like, like did a, they not check the depth before they had all these dudes do that? Like, yeah, this isn't like, just a pond. This is like. A, like a deep cavern. Uh, someone who can't hold their breath the way Geralt can. Like, that's a real challenge. I'm kind of amazed that only three people couldn't do it. Well, we don't know how many people actually play the game either. Uh, that's true. Maybe there were only four people who tried. <laughs> Everybody kept failing. And then the, the people are like, oh, man, it's probably a bad spot to do this. Yeah, you think? I did... I did wish we had the opportunity to then go to all the other girls and give them their shoes yeah. just as like a gloating. Cause you know, he would have made a huge deal out of it too. Because Volomir would have, and that would have been really, really funny. So the the whole time he's, he's hitting on Shawnee. And I think immediately after that is when it went to the next phase for yes. me, which is when you go in and I think that's when you dance. Yeah, you do. And then Gontaro Dim shows up and it gives you the option to talk to him, but I didn't yet. I went back outside and did all the other things that I could. Yeah, I went I went and talked to him right away. I didn't. So I went out, and that's when I did the fire breather, and that's when I did... That's when I played Gwent, because I had actually forgotten that you could even play Gwent. Did you win know, the Gwent? I don't know how you could... How I could forget that, but... But, yeah, of course I won. I have never... I, on, I was actually curious about that, because I was convinced... You couldn't possibly beat it because this dude got like 250 points on me. I'm not even kidding. Like, I thought it was just a thing where no matter what you did, he was going to have a counter for it or whatever, because like you had to wear the stupid hat. No, I won. Oh, no, because I had an unbelievably good hand and like uh, every spy I had came out and he had like he was dummying all of them and sending a back. Like he, he had like everything. So I guess I just had really bad luck or something then because my hand was... I mean, I've had games where I drew a really bad hand, so I'm not super surprised that I struggle, but I had an amazing hand, and he still beat me. Well, that's the thing. My deck only has 22 cards in it. I have mostly spies, legendaries, and trebuchet stuff, and then I have multiple decoys, and and that one, and in most games, I get all of my spies pretty much right away. Mm -hmm. If I don't, I re-roll, so that way I can get at least one. Mm-hmm. And then I have multiple decoys, and I do the exact same thing. I throw out a spy. If they pick it up, then I... Oh, no, same here, but that's what I mean. Like, it was just, he had, he just had so much stuff in his hand, and I'm like, I, I, I like I said, I, given how good my hand was and the fact that I still lost, I was convinced that it was one of those things where you couldn't actually win. So... No, I definitely won. 
I can't remember what I got out of it because again, that was actually last week. But yeah, I I I definitely won. Well, I know if you lose, they make you wear the stupid hat. What what hat? The one one of them was wearing. Oh, the, those e- the, those bunny ears. Yeah. That's right. And then I had to give him. And then Shawnee makes a comment where she goes, "You know, I think I kind of would have liked to see you in those bunny ears." Yeah, she she gets a real big kick out of it when you wear them. Oh I, yeah, no, I I beat that guy. Uh, and I, I, this isn't even like a save or reload situation. I definitely like I, I beat him. Mm-hmm. Maybe he just had a really bad hand when when we played. I don't know, but I was definitely not expecting this random drunk halfling to like be like a card shark on me because I was like, "What the heck, dude?" <laughs> uh, so yeah, so at some point you go in and you talk to Gaunter, and Gaunter is talking to some ladies about how to bake gingerbread. By that look on your face, you don't remember this. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, well, at least for me, I don't, maybe it changes what he's doing depending on when you go back and talk to him. But for me, he was over there talking to a couple ladies in a table in the back of the room, and he was talking to them about how to make gingerbread. And he talks about how time is the most important ingredient and that nobody ever thinks about the time because having something out for the right amount of time makes it come out just perfectly and too short and it doesn't it. You know, it'll be too soft and too long. It'll get all hard. Like, you got to have it just the right amount of time for the right consistency. And now time is the ingredient that nobody ever thinks about. And he just, I mean, it's all very obviously like a foreshadowing type conversation. But yeah, he he brings up time constantly. Oh, yeah. You know what? You're right. Because then immediately when Geralt sits down, he goes, yeah, it's also a pretty good spice, too. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I do remember that now. Uh, but then he just kind of does some fo- like foreboding, like, yeah, you better enjoy your night, because if you don't... Yeah, he has a... When you actually talk to him, A, he immediately recognizes what's going on the way nobody else does, because he can see the ghost. He can see that the ghost is... Because posi- he addresses him as Volomir, and he's like, wait, what? Yeah. How do and, you know that it's me? And he then goes on to talk about how um, his brother didn't actually care about him, and... And and Volibear isn't having any of it and talks about how, no, that's not true. He comes by and talks to me like, you know, all the time in the, in the grave and how uh, about what happened and how he told this story. He goes, mm, is that really what happened, though? Yeah, maybe you should uh, ask him next time you get the opportunity. And I'm sitting there like, um, okay, so I'm really getting the vibe that Olgeard, a the horrible doucher, that I already don't like, also murdered his brother. Well, I really got the vibe that, not that he murdered his brother, the vibe I was getting was that he told everybody his brother was a coward or whatever, and then just told his brother that's not what he said. I thought that he he had, at this point in time, I thought that he was directly responsible for his death in some way, shape, or form. Like, he said that he was a coward, and like he sent the guys in his direction or something. That's what I thought. I thought that it was like his brother's punishment for being a coward that he told them exactly where he was at. That's what I thought at the time. I mean, yeah, eventually we do find out what went down there, but it's not for a while. (laughs) Yeah. So, so at this point, I mean, he's already a very shady dude, but this entire conversation is just even more like, this is really uncomfortable. And I really do not like the situation that Gerald is in right now. So then he pens his his little missive that's basically your proof, which Geralt does not ask him to do that either. No, yeah, he because just this doesn't. is the proof that you, it just so happens that 
the ghost just automatically does his proof or whatever, because Geralt never specifically said, you need to prove in some way that I did do this. Volomir just did it because he had fond memories of a wedding that he had attended with his brother. Yeah. I think it was his brother's wedding. Probably. Possibly. I mean, that would make sense. He, uh, can't even be bothered to go find some ink or whatever. He just cuts his hand and uses the blood, which was super weird. Yeah. Like, dude, I'm sure that somebody could have given you ink. Yeah. Like at a party of this scale, like ink is, does not seem like it's a super hard thing to come by in this world. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And I feel like pretty much anyone there might've had some. Yeah, exactly. Or you could have used dirt or literally anything else. But he's like, ah, Geralt, I don't care about this guy. Cuts his hand and immediately starts drawing something. And then when he goes out, Geralt's like, ah, was that really necessary? Yeah. Why, though? Like, why? And so then it gets to the end of the night. And, of course, Volomir is refusing to leave. I mean, I wasn't really surprised at all. Yeah, I mean... I, I felt like that could have gone either way because he did seem like they were sort of getting along, but also he just was the kind of person who I wouldn't surprise me if he did. So when he pulled it, no, it wasn't a shock by any means. I mean, he did seem like somewhat of a decent person, but he's given even, he's even better than his brother. Yeah. The, the, the problem is giving everything that I know about his brother. I wasn't surprised at all yeah. that he wasn't, that he wasn't ready to just like leave and let it go. Mm -hmm. So Gaunter shows up again. And immediately tortures him. Well, yeah, because, well, first he's like, okay, you really need to leave now, or your your options are go back to the crypt or something else that you're not going to want. And he's like, or I'm going to drag you with me. And he keeps refusing. And then, yeah, it's basically torture town. And then, so I kept, as Geralt, I kept going, dude, uh, stop. stop. Yeah. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Quit it. Just like, let him go back. He's like, and But no, he takes him. He's like, no, he has to learn his lesson or something. I think he also, like, when it's done, he's like, well, he, had out, he was no longer useful. Yeah, exactly. And then at the same time, Shawnee's kind of like, um... I don't know what's happening, but I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, like, Geralt, I'm... This is not cool. I don't know what's going on, but whatever it is does not sound good. But so he leaves... He poofs out of existence, which I don't know if that means he went back to the crypt or if Gaunter took him wherever he wanted I to go. I definitely got the impression that Gaunter took him. That's what I kind of got too, but I'm, I'm hoping that's not it. I'm hoping like I never actually went back to the crypt. Neither did I, but no, I because I, I don't remember where it is, and I probably won't ever go back. I definitely got the vibe that Gaunter took him, especially since it wasn't just a. Okay, I'm going to walk back to the crypt now. It was poof gone immediately. Exactly. Yeah, he didn't, like, leave, and he didn't let him up, which is why I th thought that he just did it. Although, I guess as a ghost, he could just bam wherever he wants anyway. Although, the only place he... Oh, he did. He had to use Geralt to get to where he was at, so I don't know. I don't know that that's true, because he was bamfing around a lot. He just needed Geralt to interact with things. He said that he wasn't allowed to leave the crypt without Geralt. That I don't. I thought I don't recall that happening at all. He tried to pick up the sword, and then he was like, "No, I can't have any fun like this." Okay. All right. So maybe that was it. Having said that, I don't think that's what happened. I'm pretty sure Gaunter took him, but we can hope that it ended slightly happier than that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because wherever Gaunter took him, I don't want to be. Yeah. 
And I don't want him to be. I don't know that anybody was, deserves whatever's about to happen there. He was a, kind of a bad dude when he was alive. But again, pretty much every... I mean, that's, I don't want to make excuses for anybody, but the, the, it seems like the whole world is bad. I mean, everything that you learned about his brother, he was kind of like the lesser evil of yeah, the he two defi- evils. He definitely seemed like less of a terrible person than his brother. Gonter even basically said that, you know, w- when he was taunting him in that conversation about how, you know, you always looked up to your brother, but you never could be your brother and you never will be and you'll always be the second. Mm. But all the things that made him the best brother are things that are basically really bad. (laughs) Except the question that I have, and I guess we can go into this more later, is was he terrible before the incident, or was that a result of what Gaunter did? He definitely got worse, but as I understood it, I mean, just from talking to uh, Volamir and things like that, they were basically like bandits beforehand, so they still weren't great people. I don't... I don't necessarily think that's true because both of their families came, both of their families were incredibly wealthy and something happened, which let's not go into it now. Let's go into it later because now is, now is not a time to bring up everything with Olgeard because at this moment in time, we still don't know everything yet. Yeah. And so instead of jumping around, let's just cross that bridge when we come to it. So... At this point, you now have the opportunity because Shawnee gets very upset that Geralt is dense and doesn't seem to understand that she wanted him to go to the party with him and Volomir. Like, she feels like he never would have gone if Volomir hadn't. Which is really weird because Geralt being dense around women is felt really out of character for him. That made no sense at all. It seems like Geralt would have immediately known that she wanted to go after the several hints. And it just seems more like Geralt just didn't want to go because he had stuff to do. So, yeah, that, that, that felt really out of character for him because the Geralt that we've seen every other time picks up on that stuff really quick, to put it mildly, because other characters are a lot more subtle than Shawnee was, and he still got the hint. It may... Ever since he had the whole mark put on his face, it kind of seemed like Geralt had a... It's like he had a compulsive need to complete this as soon as possible because he didn't want... Whether Geralt seems like he knows something is up or not, it is very clear that Geralt... um, Wants out of this as quickly as possible. Yes, exactly. And I would have to agree. I mean, yeah, I would want out of that as quickly as possible, too. Everything about that situation was extremely bad news, like... So I'm hoping that part of it was just because of that, because it just it seems very out of place, like you said, for Geralt to be the aloof, you know, main character anime guy who doesn't understand that this girl's into him, especially considering they had a past relationship. Yeah, exactly. Like he he was just completely missing the really obvious signals. And like I said, other characters like Tris and Yennefer were not even nearly that ob- as obvious as Shawnee got at times, and he's Definitely didn't have a problem picking up what they were putting down. Well, yeah, because Shawnee basically said, yeah, I wanted you to come with me. Yeah. And I wanted it to just be us. Or all the times where he kept saying he could hear and see things while Volamir was in there. He just couldn't control it. And Shawnee repeatedly said while talking to Ghost Boy that, hey, you know, if you were Geralt, that'd be one thing. But it's you. So no. So what did you do to cheer her up? I went and got the flower for, for the thing from that tree, the wine, or it was, yeah, it was wine made out of those berries she liked. Yeah, I did the same thing. I went and got those berries. 
So I guess the question is, uh, did you lay with Shawnee or not? Uh, that's a that's going to be a yes. That's going to be a yes for me, dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also did because I was like, Shawnee's awesome. Shawnee's really great. I, re- I really wish Shawnee had been an option in the first game because in this exp- or in the in the base game, because I'll be honest, in this expansion, I felt more attachment to her already than I did for Trish or Yennefer through that whole game. And I think a lot of that was because we got to spend all this time with her in a non like immediately do battle thing. Like I got felt like you got to know her a little better. Exactly. And even in the that that is the one thing that I think the main game really and and we don't have to go into all this again, but so like even when you you meet Yennefer for the first time, you kind of go to a party and there's a couple of things for you to do, but basically all of those things are you're on a mission, you really shouldn't do those things because we have to go get this thing for Yennefer. Right. And it's not like let's have fun at a party and just like hang out and do whatever you want. So the attachment made with Shawnee in this was immediate whether i was volamir or or Geralt, there was an immediate attachment to her character because of that and yeah i definitely was like yeah let's go yeah exactly and the like boat I, scene was very nice and tasteful yeah it, and it was funny that the girl that uh volamir had been trying to pick up earlier wound up with somebody else yes right and her brothers were like Passed drunk yeah. over there and it, it, it was funny because she goes Oh, he, we wouldn't want to waste this bottle of wine. Some drunk might come find it and make worse decisions than they've already made. We've got to take this bottle with well, us uh, and drink it. And then, well, and then your response, your response options were basically yes, no, or that I the one I picked, which was, well, you're the doctor. What do you think? <laughs> me, me, what's your medical opinion? Well, we have to take care of this. <laughs> I, I I think I did the exact same thing, and uh, so 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 yeah, it it did get very awkward in the morning. Yeah, she was because I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it remorse exactly, but she was definitely like, well, she specifically said that she didn't regret it, but she also was saying like, we can't keep it's one of those things where I don't regret what happened, but we can't keep doing this because I'm only going to get her in the end. Yeah. And and she's not wrong because she's clearly not their lifestyles are very incompatible. Exactly. Even it, if they like each other, like I mean Geralt Geralt the Wandering Witcher and you know the doctor who kind of needs to be in one place and take care. Geralt the wandering murderer and the doctor who just wants to help everybody. Because even at one point when you're doing something with her later, she mentions, "Yeah, I'd rather you not just go in and beat everyone up because I'm gonna be the one that have to patch them up later." So yeah, I'd rather you not make things more difficult for me. Mm -hmm. But so the game. I know I mentioned this, so I'm, I'm only going to say it briefly now. After the way everybody else has been in this game, having someone who just genuinely was a good person, like no strings attached, felt really good. You didn't like Zoltan? No, he was great. I'm just saying, it seems like... Okay, but... Uh, Zoltan only did things for the good of his heart, although the whole Gwent thing was a little shady, but... <laughs> no, I know where you're getting. I know where you're coming from. I will say that I I enjoyed it too, which is why I eventually decided that I was definitely going to be romantic. Same here. And like I said, had Shawnee as presented been an option in the base game, I probably would have wound up with her. I don't know. I'd still wind up just, with Yennefer, but it, because- would be, it would be a nice, you know, uh, distraction from the rest of the game. <laughs> just because, like I said, I, I had more attachment to her from this than I did to either of the other two. But if she was in the main game... 
you wouldn't have had that attachment anyway. I mean, probably not. Yeah, because they probably would have not presented it nearly as well. So exactly. So it probably would have been the same ham-fisted like. It, it it almost seems like Heart of Stone is basically just a romance story, and and the base it kind of is. I mean, it, that's true in several respects, yeah. But I, I think the DLCs. I mean, given what we've heard about how much everybody was talking about how the DLCs are like the best part of the game and stuff, I I just get the feeling that they were probably not under nearly as much like deadline crunch and, crunch and stuff, and they were just able to well, do like they- have fun, ha- enjoy themselves more. Well, and like I was saying, if there wasn't any romance, the main story of the other game would have been amazing. I agree. If it had just been about Siri. The problem is that they also tried a ham-fisted attempt to force romance in there as well. And I I think that because of that, it brought the game down in a sense with it. Now, that being said, that the game wasn't bad or anything like that, but we even said before that I could have just done without the romance parts. Yeah. And I would have liked the game just as and, much. And I don't want to make it sound like, you know, I But hate anyway, it. we need, we got to move on. Yeah. Because we're complaining about the old game. This is for DLCs. You're right. So next up is Max Borsodi's house. Right. So, I, I mean, I was already really enjoying this DLC going into the wedding, but as this quest shaped up, this is the point where I was like, I totally get why everybody's insisting we have to do the DLC because, oh my god. Now you get to plan out a Grand Theft Auto-style heist? Or like Ocean's Eleven, or yeah, you pick your favorite here, but yeah, exactly. All of a sudden, it's a heist. Well, I was I was thinking Ocean's Eleven, but because GTA is in the video game universe. No, sure, I get you. It was amazing, and what I really want to know is which two other characters did you choose? The... Acrobat lady. It's unfortunate. And the lock picker. Again, unfortunate because those are the exact same two people that I picked. <laughs> the the lock picker because I didn't I, was, I didn't want to to make rip a massive that noise. guy because the other guy was an explosion guy, but he got out of the game. Mm-hmm. He's not in it anymore, and you basically had to go in and convince him to do it again. And I'm like, this is almost certainly not going to go as planned, and I don't want to bring a non-criminal, it, well, well re- a reformed criminal. criminal. Yeah. I don't want to bring somebody back into the game. Yeah, Exactly. I don't want to do that. And her, like, I, I basically just always choose the girl. Well, anyway. I, 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 for me, the big thing was just like, I mean, there was also that, but the other reason I went with the lockpicker was, if we're theoretically trying to do this quietly, a giant explosion in the middle of town is probably not the way to do that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, now, granted, obviously, yeah, it wasn't going to go as planned, but, like, just thinking through it logically, if I was Geralt trying to do this with nobody getting killed and all these other things, bombs are probably not the answer there. <laughs> but I will say, in one of the before we even plan the heist, one of the things that we have to do first is you go and do the auction. Yeah, and you get to spend time with the banker dwarf guy. And the one thing that I was not expecting during that whole auction thing was to be reminded of Vesemir. And I was like, oh. Oh, yeah, the the witcher lady. I really not, wish. The, the lady who collects witcher stuff because she uh, had a... At Basically, first she, she had a romantic relationship, with, relationship Vesemir. Yeah. with Vesemir. And when her dad found out, Vesemir wasn't allowed to come back because he was under arrest. But she started her collection, and she also says, fortunately, my husband died young and left me with a vast fortune, so then I could go out and buy all this Witcher stuff. And then, yeah, she became a yeah a collector, a, a collector of Witcher paraphernalia. 
And you could buy some uh, unique Witcher gear plans off of her, which was cool. Did you? Oh, yeah, I definitely bought those. Oh, yeah, same here, obviously. Did you choose the correct painting? I did. And so did you tell Vivaldi? I did. And that little jerk during the auction starts betting you up. I mean, it doesn't matter because the dude gives you like 500 gold for it anyway. And a statue you can sell on top of that. And I was like, sweet. Just out of fun, I bought everything at the auction. Oh, me too. I did. And got an achievement for it, but I was going to like, I'm buying it all anyway because I liked the professor. It was kind of fun because the professor was the was one of the main villains of the first game. Oh, really? Yeah. So like when I saw they were his glasses, I'm like, I got to have those on principle. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of a neat little Easter egg. Yeah. Yeah. I went ahead and bought, bought everything, even the thing that she was bidding on because I'm like, eh, you know, I just, I want it. I want it all. I need it all. Now they're just sitting in my inventory collecting dusk, but dusk yeah. <laughs> <laughs> collecting dust, but whatever. Yeah, same here. But uh, no, I did the same thing. I'm like, I, I have to have these because everybody's like talking crap about Geralt. Uh, no, he's got money and he's buying it. I don't care. I've got money. And so I then then after that, you get kicked out because surprise, surprise, horse Barsoldi is like a jerk and is not a fan of. Surprisingly, he's not racist against like dwarves and stuff. He just really doesn't like witchers, apparently. So I guess there there isn't much difference in our heist because they basically went exactly the same in that sense, except for the fact that I want to know how you resolved the whole uh, when when they ring the bell and the guards show up. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's get to that when we get there. Um, but at first, the heist goes relatively okay in the very beginning. You go in there, except for there's guards when there weren't supposed to be, which is, of course, the first sign that... Um, but you have to, other than those two things, you have to bribe the cook to put something in their food so that some of the guards will have to miss their shift. Yeah, I just paid money. I did, too. Because I I was... I considered I, using the sign, but I'm like, eh, he's doing a thing, whatever. Well, also, signs wear off eventually. Yeah. I don't know what the... I know story level wise, it probably would have been fine, but I was like, money seems to make more sense because I don't think he would have just, even once he became level headed later, even knowing that he agreed to it, I thought that there was an opportunity that he wouldn't have done it anyway. I think this was the game's chance to be like, yeah, this is a consequence for using a sign and it doesn't go right. Yeah. Because it would eventually it would have worn off. off. Right. But so the guards don't, there's there's less guards and so you 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 climb up a tower the acrobat of course gets up there without any issues at all and then beats up a guard who wasn't supposed to be there because it immediately starts everybody arguing yeah uh and then Geralt insists there will be no death and will only use a wooden sword which was terrible yes because those guards that you do have to fight because of course you do have way too much health for this and they keep killing everybody anyway yeah uh, so, so what did you do when they resolved the, I did a hostage negotiation basically. Like, I mean, I did it legitimately and didn't like, cause Geralt was not on board with this. Uh, so the guards show up and you take a hostage to buy, basically just to buy yourself time to get into the vault. That's a situation where I really would have been curious about if one of us had had the bomb maker, because since the guards were already there at that point, I doubt they would have just walked away. <laughs> But what do you mean? Like when the bomb went off and it would have been a big explosion while they're standing there negotiating. Well, not only that, but 
what happens later when you have an opportunity. So, so I guess during the during the hostage investigation, how did you actually resolve it? Uh, I basically just asked for what was like the most reasonable thing that was still a actual negotiation. Because like it gave you some options that were basically like I'm not going to do this or a reasonable request or a really outlandish request, and I did the reasonable request so they could actually agree to it. Like any cart will be good, or the other option was specifically King Radovid's chariot. Like they're, they're, that's never going to fly. So I did the outlandish one. Although what I what what he said, there were only two options for me no, with Geralt. Maybe I'm misremembering them. Which was. I'm not going to take a hostage or, yeah, I'll go ahead and go forward with it. Well, yeah, that, yes. But then once you actually go forward with it, then it became reasonable versus unreasonable. So what I did was I wanted us, I wanted the guards, to, I basically said, all oh, you have to leave. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we can't do that. And so that what I did is I was like, tell me a joke. And so the guy tells this joke that has elves in it. And uh, oh, I'm sure the trapeze lady was not a fan. Well, not even just that. It was just at this point, it was me and Garrett was the only one talking. And so the guy says something about like elves and I can't remember exactly what he said. But the very next thing was Garrett goes uh, or or, or no, 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 no. I'm I'm getting a little out of order, which just happens constantly. So when when they say that they can't do we can't leave and he's. Geralt goes, let me give you a piece of advice. I don't know if this is your first Haas's negotiation or what, but when I tell you, when I ask you a question, I don't want to hear the words no, not, or maybe. I want to hear the words yes and and, mm-hmm. and yada yada. <laughs> so when he goes, I want to tell you a joke, he goes, well, I don't really know any jokes. I, I, I can't really tell you one. The guy's like, as Geralt's, or not Geralt. Geralt. I don't think Geralt's holding him at this point. I think the yeah, other guy's other holding guy him. Was. Yeah. And so then the guy goes, you're not supposed to say no. <laughs> and the guy goes, Geralt immediately goes, see, he gets it. What's That's your funny. problem? And then so he tells this racist joke against elves. Then Geralt goes, there's an option for like, I need a better one or something else. And then he goes, are you a racist? And I go, are you a racist, Captain Whatever? <laughs> he goes, no, I swear I'm not a racist. The guy's like, stop saying no. <laughs> Please, you know, don't say no. And Geralt's like, he really understands. And so then he goes, Geralt's like, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to give you 10 minutes to come up with a better joke and if you don't, a hostage is going to die. And then the guy's like, stop saying no. Like he's again, he's like, please quit. And so then that gives us the opportunity because then then the guy comes up and he says, hey, you can get in now. Mm-hmm. And so then uh, you go down yeah, and you're for- right. The question I would have is if they heard a bomb explode, wouldn't they just immediately rush in? Oh, yeah. At that point, I would assume that the negotiation would fall apart. Like if it didn't, I would be really concerned. Exactly. And so it almost seems like we made the better option. At least We there. made the better choices in both cases. Silent. Well, I don't know what the difference between the Hobbit silent and, the- and maybe that maybe she, it seemed like she was more willing to. It seemed like she was capable as an acrobat to knock out a guard. I don't know if the dwarf would have been able he to do that. He might have stabbed him or something. Whether stabbed him or not, he might have just. I feel like 
there were two opportunities to have uh, something bad happen. Something bad happened, and I feel like we made the best choice in both cases. Unless the guards just didn't happen to be there with the dwarf, but that really doesn't make any sense. Unless at all. he wouldn't run away because the elf bails on the heist at this point. Yes. It's just the way that she deals with the guard that happens to be there. I really don't think the dwarf would have been able to do that. It would have required him to jump like six feet just to be able to kick this dude in the head. And I yeah. don't think the dwarf would have had the upper strength to be able to do that. Uh, but because yeah. she like uses her strength to pull herself she up like and then knocks and the guard yeah. out. Whether he would have stabbed him or what, would he probably if he had stabbed him, he probably would have fell out, and then the guards there would have been a dead guard right. sitting there. Yeah. So then that I, I think there were multiple opportunities for it to go bad. And I think that we just happened to luck into the best choices, at least based off of my thought process. Mm-hmm. I, I must have I, I feel like I just got lucky because again, her I chose because she's an acrobat and it's it's it showed more the video of her showed her being more capable than it did the yeah, dwarf the, the, in general. The he was just kind of sitting on the roof or whatever and it showed her like doing an Assassin's Creed like jump off a building thing. And the lock picker versus also the lock pickers like he was like, Oh yeah, I was gonna escape before that was amazing, by the way. <laughs> yeah, so you you have to go. The lockpicker's problem is he's actually locked up. He's been captured by some mercenary. And so you have to negotiate with the mercenary captain or whatever, and then you do it. And the mercenary captain goes to let him out, and he just opens the door and walks out on his own. He goes, oh, yeah, I picked the wall lock a while ago. I was just waiting for an opportunity. Did you pay the guy, or did you beat I, him in Gwent? I paid him. I beat him in Gwent and got it for free, because of course I did. I negotiated him down, but I, yeah, I was just like, I'm no. paying. No, I want the Gwent. It's, it, if there's an opportunity to play Gwent, I'm doing it. Yeah. There's an opportunity to play Gwent with Shawnee, too. And I destroyed her. And uh, <laughs> this is after, you know, the whole you know, romance. I'm like, Shawnee, you ever heard of a game called Gwent? Uh, yeah, Geralt, I've heard of Gwent. Well, let's play. <laughs> and I annihilated her. I think I, I took a screenshot of it. I ended up getting 213 points. Wow. I completely destroyed her. I'm like, that's honestly, this is what you get. You know, I'm Geralt. You got to stop doing because it's basically it's one of those things where I just kept getting decoys over and over and she had decoys. So by the end of it, I had 16 cards and she had like 10 and it just happened to be that I the right things hit and 213 is the highest I've ever gotten. I think it's happened, which is odd because I've gotten it twice now. But anyway, that 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 doesn't really matter. But so and then for her, did you actually do the crossbow thing or did, did you? I didn't. I just paid the money. I'm like, I hate the crossbow. I don't want to use it. I just paid the money. I've actually gotten pretty decent at the crossbow by now. I mean, I don't use it a lot, but that's funny. You you didn't play Gwent probably because you didn't think you could win um, because you're terrible <laughs> at Gwent. And I didn't do the crossbow because I didn't think it was going to go well. And I'm terrible with the crossbow. I I find it funny that both of us resolved both of those things differently, except we still got the same people. Yeah. So then then you get down there and, oh, surprise, surprise. Turns out that dude. This mysterious guy who's been organizing all this who refuses to tell you anything about himself. Happens to be his brother, his long lost brother that whatever. And so Horse Bersoldi does this thing where he's like, I'm going to pay you money. I'll pay you double the amount of money if you side with me. 
Which and I, I guess not. I'm happy because I didn't have to kill the elf mm-hmm. because yeah, was... the locksmith turned on me. Yeah. Or maybe it just would have been whether they turned on you in the in the at the bottom. But here's the thing, buddy, that was the wrong choice. Yeah. Because I immediately murdered both of them. Mm-hmm. I murdered Horst and I murdered the lockpick guy. Question I have is because surprise, surprise, turns out he doesn't want to give you Max Borsodi's house because that happens to contain the will and everything. Mm-hmm. What did you choose? I we negotiated. And I let him take the house and took, or I, I mean, I let him take the contents and kept the house. I didn't. I murdered him because for several reasons, first of which both him and his brother are massive D bags. I didn't like either of them. Mm-hmm. I with Garrow on numerous occasions said no one is to die. He immediately starts killing people and then kills his brother after Geralt specifically stops him and says, you don't need to kill him. We can come to an agreement. Kills him anyway. I'm like, at this point, this guy's a phenomenal douche. I'm killing him. I'm like, whatever. You're not going to give me the house. Die. I don't like you. I don't like either of you. Uh, so I I killed them both. And then I went back to Olgird after I you know, took the house and, and, and got out and you actually have to find how you get out of there, which you have to use your Witcher senses. And this is the other part. While you're using your Witcher senses in that little area, there is an opportunity for guards to open up the door. If you had blown the door open, you wouldn't have that opportunity. So I had the opportunity to not only escape without the guards finding out who I was, but also to loot a bunch of stuff on the way. I looted everything that was in there. Yep. So if the door had been blown open, there's no way I could do that. But what Olgier does with the money, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm 100% on board with this plan. So, so basically you find out that there's a loophole in Max Marsoldi's house. There's a stipulation in the will, yeah. It basically says every single year, if the brothers don't get along. They have to at least meet up once a year. To shake hands. Yeah. And if they don't get along, then everything goes to charity for orphans. Mm-hmm. And Olgird knew this. How he found out, how Olgird finds out about anything, I don't know, but he does. He knows this. And it turns out that the Barsoldis are the ones that basically put Olgird in this whole situation to begin they with. They ruined his family. Yeah. They ruined his entire family because they got into a little debt and then immediately said, no, you have to give it. You have to do this now. And then they started repossessing everything. And that's why Olgir wasn't allowed to air to marry Iris in the first place, which is then. So is Iris the one that was promised to that prince who then gets turned into? I think a so. Yes. Because that's what I thought, too. But I thought that she was promised to him. And so. We're getting ahead a little bit because that comes up in the next stuff. Not really, because the the toad thing already happened. We already found out. No, no, no. I'm talking about like the backstory of how that all went down in the timeline and stuff. Yes, that I know. But the question I have, the question I'm going to have when we get there, I'm going to have a bunch of questions. This this whole last section is going to take a while. Yeah. So everybody strap in because this this whole DLC was a pretty wild ride. Exactly. Uh, so, so then he basically, so then you take the house back and he, he kind of explains the whole situation of they're the reason that he's in this whole position in the first place. And 
he basically just wanted revenge. And his revenge was, well, everything that they have is going to be sold off to charity. Yeah. And that went similarly, other than obviously he didn't actually have the will, which was unfortunate. But but Geralt's like, where or you get there and he's like, well, where's the papers? And Geralt goes, you didn't ask for the papers. You just asked for the house. You got the thing that like everybody says repeatedly in this is you got to word your wishes carefully, man. Which and he immediately says, you've already learned from uh, Master Mirror on how to like grant wishes without actually giving me what I want. <laughs> Which here's the thing. That's definitely by far the worst decision. No, I know. Knowing everything. Knowing about it. Now, knowing about it afterwards. Yeah, I agree. But the, and then he explains what he wanted the, the papers for. And girl's like, wait, you really want to give all this money to orphans? He's like, I, I don't care. For all I care, all the orphans could straight up die tomorrow. I just wanted them to not have the money. Exactly. He's like, I do not care about the orphans at all. I just wanted to screw them over, which I'm like, based off of everything that I've heard, uh, yeah, I totally get it. Yeah. I don't like these people. But and that was the first. Andrew. I'm sorry. That was the first sign of Ogier maybe not being quite as terrible as he's been presented this whole time, just by virtue of the fact that he's, you know, basically talking about helping the kids or whatever and like having a justification for the thing he wants. I just like that even in the DLC, we have now. Once again, Andrew has made the worst possible decision from a Witcher standpoint. I, uh, no. And it seems like you, it, it seems like even going into the DLC, Andrew has continued his trend of making the worst possible decisions. Okay, back up a second, because from a Witcher standpoint, nothing about what just happened was from a Witcher standpoint. So first of all, drop that. No, no, no. From a Witcher standpoint, um, first of all, the dude immediately went back on his deal. His deal that was specifically, no one gets hurt, no, nothing happens, and we get in, we get out, you get your papers. A, he wasn't going to give you the house because he wanted the, he wanted the papers inside. And yes, you eventually negotiate that on, on, on that, but there is no, he doesn't give you any semblance of, yes, we can make a deal when you have the initial conversation. It's give me the, you're not getting the house, I'm going to kill you. So from a Geralt perspective, yes, it seemed like the second option, there was going to be an option to maybe not have him die. But I'm like, you've already double-crossed me multiple times. I don't know if you're going to double-cross me again. You're just going to die at this point. Using my Witcher instincts, I knew he just needed to die. And then all that money would have gone to those orphans. Andrew just makes the, the worst decisions possible. It's okay. I, I'm just interested to hear how you resolve the next part. Because you're always making bad decisions. I can't wait to hear how every yeah everything I've done is is wrong somehow. What do you mean somehow? It, it, objectively, looking at this, you're definitely wrong. I because now a bunch of so you hate kids because you wanted them to die in the earlier game, and now you didn't even want orphans to get the money in the DLC. <laughs> Andrew just has a real disdain for the kids of the Witcher universe, and I really don't know why. It just so happens that I, that I I luck into the correct decisions all the time. <laughs> yeah, and then act like you had some, you're just such a great person when you just accidentally, like, basically flipped a coin and got the right, the answer that was different than me. <laughs> let's except not pretend. We except we chose the, the, the same people here. Well, no, let's, let's, here's the thing. Based off of everything, and I, and I, I, I will say, at least from this decision, based off of everything that I knew, I didn't really care what Olgierd was going to do with the money, now knowing that the entire fortune was going to be in his possession, because at this point, both the Horst brothers are bad people. 
I know that Olgeard's a bad person, but I also know that Olgeard's going to die at the end of this quest. And that is the reason why I went ahead and killed him, because I thought long and hard about whether I was going to kill this guy. And I knew that Olgeard was not going to be around for much longer, so matter, no matter what he did with the money... He's not going to have it for very well, long. Well, we didn't even know what it was because we didn't even know there were papers until like just now or what that was even going to be about. No, he tells you when he tells you you can't have the house. He yeah. tells you the reason why he tells you that the deed to the entire fortune is in there. And that's why he will not give you the papers that are inside the house. That's why Geralt makes the decision. That's why you apparently had the option to take the papers versus the house because the house didn't mean anything. The house was just a basically just a box. Mm-hmm. The papers were everything. He he tells you what the papers do when he tells you you can't have them. So at this point, whether Olgir was going to inherit everything or not, I didn't care because I knew that Olgir was going to die. I just didn't want either of the Horse Brothers to have it, especially not after he just murdered his own brother in front of our face after he didn't need to at all. Because all his brother did was ask for one thing from the, he goes, I'll, I'll sign everything over to you, but just, just allow me to have one thing. And his brother goes, fine. And then he shoves the scepter in his face and kills him. So no matter what, both horse brothers are terrible. And I know Olgeard is also terrible, but I also know that Olgeard is going to die as soon as I complete the third quest. So I don't care how long Olgeard's going to be around. All I care about is that both of those brothers do not get the auction. And that was the basis of that decision. And then it turns out that Olgir wanted to you basically wanted to make the entire fortune null and void and give it away to charity because that's what was in the, in the contract. I'm like, that's just an added bonus. You sitting there and saying I lucked into this decision is not true. I weighed everything and determined that this would be the best overall based off of, I know I'm going to kill Olgeard. I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to kill this horse guy later, but he definitely shouldn't get the money and his brother definitely shouldn't have it either. I wish there was an option that both of them didn't have to die, but there was no way to save his brother. And I didn't think there was any opportunity that I was going to get out of there without killing him. So I just took him out anyway. (laughs) So then you go back and you have that whole conversation. And then he tells you his third wish. Finally, well, before that, I don't remember if it was this time or if it was the time before, but Olgeard specifically asked Geralt, do you have any children? And what was annoying about that, because every single time you go talk to Olgeard, before you turn in the quest and before you do anything, he gives giving you little like stories stuff, yeah. about different things. And he asked Geralt, do you have any children? And Geralt immediately, without skipping a beat, goes, none. And that's annoying to me because we literally just played an entire story's length game of you going to find your daughter and saving her and helping her save the world. And you just immediately tell Olgir that you don't have any children. Did you do that because you want to protect Siri from Olgir? Because she definitely doesn't need your protection from Olgir. Like, dude, I don't understand why you would ever say that, Geralt. That seems very insensitive from, from your perspective. You definitely have a daughter. So I thought I just thought that was a little aside thing, and I thought that was a little odd. But the very next request is Ogird on the day he left his wife to go do whatever it is he does. The last time he saw her, he gave her a purple or I guess violet rose. 
and he wants that rose because again he thinks that this is an impossible request that there's no way shape or form you're ever going to he's ever going to see it again and and this is an important caveat to the whole thing his reasoning is he he wants to see it again to remember what it was like that's what he says and that's important because i don't depending on how you resolved it, it that sentence means an awful lot to how i resolve the quest Okay, so I guess why don't you go forward with the quest then so we can talk about how you resolved it. So you go to his old family house that's been abandoned for a while, or presumably uh, there's a thief there who his buddy, they they were trying to get into this old house and steal stuff, and his buddy jumped the fence to go unlock the gate and never came back, and he freaks out and runs off, as you probably should. Uh, so well, well, Geralt tells him, yeah, you should probably leave after mm-hmm. we saw this cloth thing walk across the house. And he goes, yeah, you're not going to get any argument from me. And he's just gone. Yeah. So you go in and Geralt comments repeatedly, you know, even though this place looks abandoned, the grounds are surprisingly well maintained. Like there's fresh fertilizer bags and some flower, like, I mean, some plants and things like that. And you go around to the backyard and you fight the caretaker, which, uh, <laughs> That sucked. Yeah, that was that was a, a really annoying fight, but also just like the caretaker as a thing was like legitimately terrifying. It had no face, basically, just a mouth. Uh, and for and so Geralt horrifying even Eldritch horror thing, and yeah, Geralt's even like, I have absolutely no idea what this is. He goes, "This should not exist." Yeah, he's like, "By by all means, this shouldn't exist." Did you see the cat and the dog around the house? When mm-hmm. you were going all around it. Yeah. Because they come back yeah. after the whole fight. And they talk to they, you. I will say the fight was interesting because every single... He, he worked like a vampire, but wasn't a vampire. Because mm-hmm. every time he would attack you he with, got his, back. with his sword, he would get health back. It was a shovel. He was hitting you with a shovel. Yeah. Just to clarify, because he was... He, well, it he was like this big... A body. It, it, it looked like a giant axe when he was swinging it around. But yeah, he did have a shovel when he was doing his thing. But... What was inter- what made the fight really interesting, like you like you just said, but it, he didn't have to specifically hit you because he would like summon other ghosts and then go hit them and heal. And that makes no sense at all. How do you just summon a whole bunch of things that then you can attack and get full health back? Luckily, he only he only did it at each tick. Mm-hmm. So basically, he unless you killed those things before you had a chance to hit them. He would basically just go back to full health every single time. Mm-hmm. Sort of like that one guy who basically just kept going back to full health the first time you fought the frost. The wild hunt guy, yeah. Yeah. He would just go back to full health every single tick. And that was incredibly annoying, to which at that time when I fought the frost guy the first time, I didn't think it was possible to beat him because I thought he would just get full health every single time. But in this case, I, I kind of knew how it worked, but I kept using Axne or Igni just to burn them all up, burn them all and kill them all before he had a chance to get them the second time. Once I realized what was happening. Mm-hmm. And so I actually kind of figured it out. Uh, like I didn't really have that problem either time. Just cause the first time I was immediately like, Oh, I'm going to go kill all the ads because I don't want to get surrounded or whatever. And I've played enough video game boss fights to know that when a bunch of stuff shows up, you go kill all the small stuff first. So they don't annoy you. <laughs> I never kill the ads in this game because since they, in in my experience, every single time you kill the main thing, all the ads immediately die. Mm-hmm. So I just always focus on the main thing. And then when I realized he was killing them to get health, 
by that time it was kind of already too late and the whole thing had already i had already killed a few so he didn't get all the way back to full health but i was kind of already a little bit screwed and so then when i got him all the way down to the second tick i was ready and i just blasted all of them um because not only are they ads, but they keep walking towards him, mm-hmm. which is also the reason why I ignored them at first, because they weren't even they didn't even attack you at all. All they did was walk closer to him. And I was like, oh, whatever. I don't really care if they're going to walk closer to him. And then I realized what was happening. It was kind of already too late. See, when the ads ignore you and go to the boss, my brain immediately goes, this is even worse. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's happening, but it's bad. I wasn't even, I, I, I was too busy trying to not die from yeah, him. It was an intense fight. Because every time he hit you, every single time. He got health back. He yeah. got health back. So you had to treat it almost as if, almost like a Dark Souls battle where. Where every, just, every hit is basically like, like two or three hits and this is a waste of not, like you're done. Yeah. yeah. You, you have to walk up, hit him a couple times and leave. And I absolutely hate boss fights like that. I, I don't like that. Mainly because even if you blocked his attacks, he would still get health back. Yeah. Because they would still hurt you a little bit. And I I don't... That's just not how I generally play games. Now, with Quinn, it didn't, he didn't get any health back, which was nice. I leaned on Quinn a lot in that fight. All I used was Quinn. Yeah. Until the ad showed up. But even then, just... He did this attack where it just kind of blew you back a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that immediately took all of Quinn away. Yeah. Every single time. So that, that fight was tough. Mm-hmm. That fight was rough. And I really, I, I did not like the that. one that almost got me the first time was, uh, he would swing and then he's like shovel. would get stuck in the ground. And that was the opportunity to go hit him a bunch. But then when it comes out, it would just like these pillars would just come out of the ground and like just destroy you if you weren't careful. Yep. Like when the shovel came out, like, yeah, a bunch of like the whole ground around it, like it was an earthquake or whatever. And I'm like, Oh my God. So then after you beat him, the dog and the cat show up and they're very clearly evil. And they basically just talk saying, yeah, we're not really supposed to be here, but we're here to keep her company. Yeah, we're here to keep an eye on the mistress. Uh, Because you don't find it out now, but you find out later that they're actual demons. Yes. Which implies that Gaunter... So is the gravekeeper. Which implies that Gaunter is not. Correct. Well, because they even they even talk about Gaunter as if he's evil incarnate. Yes. So I can't because it's it's either it's not that point when they do the evil incarnate. That's after it's the side thing with Shawnee. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, But because they mention that he's super mega evil. No, no, no. Yes. But like, but actually, there's a little bit of evidence to argue that Gaunter is a demon, but he could be like an arch demon or something like higher up on the totem pole than them because the so. When you go in the house, you're basically trapped in her memories. Or no, you go through the house, you fight a, a white or whatever that's basically like her and goes in and out of paintings and the it gets into this endless hallway. It's kind of wild. And it was a wraith. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Wraith. Um, and then you get there and she's on the bed dead. And girl's like, well, why didn't you tell me when she was dead? And again, the line that everybody in this DLC works in is, well, you didn't ask. You got to be careful careful what you wish for well they didn't even say that they just said you didn't ask uh, that i think the cat specifically says something along the lines of like you need to be more clear and that you're like basically she said same. you need to be more clear but it wasn't the same thing that everybody else is okay saying. but it was yet again another one of those like that's the running theme of this dlc you need to be specific yeah 
And so then you go uh, bury her and give her a proper burial with her her sketch pad. She really liked to draw, apparently. And you give a little eulogy. So what did you leave for her? Did you leave the painting or the sketch pad? Sketch pad. I also left the sketch pad. Did, did you ask the uh, cat and dog if they wanted to say anything? Yes. And they're like, yeah, we really don't know anything. Like, we don't understand this custom. I assume you're doing it right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, we don't have anything to say. We don't. You, you you don't seem to understand. We're here to keep her company, but that we didn't want to. Yeah. We're here against our will. Yeah. And then you actually, the, basically you, you then summon her and you go inside her memories to kind of fix yeah, it, into the, she, there's a painting she had in the yard of the house. It was like the, probably the last painting she was working on or whatever. And she like goes inside it and you get to follow her. And then, yeah, you're inside basically her memories in this, the painted world, I think they call it. And the very first thing that you find Which out. Which is also making a Dark Souls reference. There's a section in, there's a, the, a Dark Souls 3 DLC that is specifically the painted world where you go inside a painting. Which is a Mario reference where you go inside paintings. Yes. There was also a bit in the first game that is, oh yeah, the first game is where it's called the painted world. But there's another one where there's a lady who's like painting a new reality to try to break the cycle of misery that is Dark Souls. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, which is what everybody feels when they play that, which I don't, there is no cycle of misery because I don't play the Dark Souls games. There's no misery for me because I don't have to play them yet. Well, it was the cycle of misery for like the world. Regardless, I go but, into I go in inside of paintings in the Witcher universe, but that's when you this is when you find out why the demon is specifically trapped as a cat and a dog because the very first memory is her talking to Olgierd about wanting a cat wanting, and a dog yeah. and him specifically not listening. So this is they got married, uh, yeah. So this is where we get like more of Olgierd's backstory with Iris. They got married in this house. So obviously this part happened before the disaster and losing all the money. No. The very beginning where they got married, I'm pretty sure was. When no. So instead of talking about each individual section of the whole broken memory itself, now is where I want to talk about Olgierd in general. Yeah. He was betrothed to Iris. Yes. Then he lost all of the money. Then that's when the whole prince thing came about. And there's specifically notes around there between him and and the prince because um, it's either here or at someplace else where where Geralt actually mentions okay so it was true love because he specifically talks about how much he loves her and how much he wants to get her back. Then the toad thing happens and which the toad thing happened in context because of what was going on like that's around the point he made the contract with Gaunter and that was all came out as part of that. I don't think that's necessarily true. And, and, and the reason why I say that is because the reason why he all of this happened was because he was trying to get Iris back. Yes. And what I'm really confused about is he mentions. So, so, so basically he's given a choice. He is. Gaunter comes to him after his whole family. Basically, Olgierd is in ruin. The, the whole Gear, family is the in Von ruin. The Von Elric family is now in ruin. And Olgierd, so based on some of the books you get, in, like, yeah, he's he's determined to get Iris back. Uh, at some point, the family bought. That's her family, but that hasn't happened yet. Right, okay. So so what happens is Olgierd does his whole thing, and he basically decides, he gets with, with Olgierd. With Gaunter. Or, or yeah. with Gaunter. He attempts to summon a demon to basically fix all of his problems. And gets Gaunter. 
and gets Gaunter, which sort of implies he's a demon, but also sort of doesn't. Well, because sort of the books that you have to read that you read about talks about summoning demons and how to do it properly. Yes, but you have to be able to trap them to do it properly. And so he traps the cat, the dog, and the caretaker eventually, but he never trapped, like Gaunter is not trapped in any way, shape, or form. He was never trapped at all. And so, but the, the, even the dog and cat uh, implies that he is not a demon. Yeah. I mean, it could be that he was trying to summon a demon and got the attention of something way more powerful than that. That's basically what they say. Yeah. He got the attention of Gaunter and Gaunter basically says, you have a choice. You need to kill something in life that you love. To get the other one. To get the to get everything that you want, which is you want to get your wife and you want to get your fortune back and you want to get everything. Well, you it, basically it, have to kill something you love. So he's either going to have to kill Iris or he's going to have to kill his brother. Olgierd obviously chooses to kill his brother. Although multiple conversations imply that that choice was not nearly as direct as what we just said that was at the end of the day that's what the choice was but it wasn't like gaunter specifically said it that way it was gaunter specifically said you have to choose something you love olgierd knew that he only loved two things and he chose iris yeah he didn't specifically say because even gaunter says he didn't specifically say to kill volamir mm -hmm. it's just i because because olgierd says i made the choice i wanted iris mm -hmm. and the next day yes volamir was dead yeah, and I mean, it is definitely the, because he made that choice, Gaunter killed the other one, but it was just a matter of, like, as worded, I guess what I'm trying to say is Gaunter didn't specifically say, pick one and the other one dies. That was a fun surprise. Yes, but later on, paying off all the debts, it sounds like her parents did that as a result of the whole wish being yes. granted. So I have no idea how the toad thing even came about, whether or not... See, I, I think that that's also... Okay, so again... Uh, because the toad happens much, much later. Does it, though? I thought so. Because I didn't he's think so. Been, that toad has not been down there as long as we thought it was. I thought that toad has been down there for basically a while, like, since all this started. That I definitely got the impression, because... I mean, it would have to have been there a while for people to figure out, for the Ophiri people to figure out what the prince is or the, the toad, go get a mage, etc. That had to take a while. Well, yeah, I, I, I guess you're right. Because, so basically, so, so I guess it sounds like when the whole wish happened, it sounded like maybe the prince that, I, was on his way to get her, and then maybe he cursed him then and I, he turned into a toad. I think that the curse was basically, again... As Ogier talked about how he said something and he didn't possibly think it come true or whatever, all of that was basically the other part of how Gaunter got him what he wanted and getting Iris back. He took care of the prince. Okay. That was how I understood it. Because then basically her only option was, her parents' only option was, okay, well now you're, I guess you're going to go back to the man you love. The problem is that in this whole situation, Gaunter essentially turns Ogier into a serial killer. Mm -hmm. And what I mean is he basically makes it so he can't feel anything. Yeah, he removes his emotions. And it, which is Heart of Stone. Yeah. It talks about how, because it, basically all of Iris's memories are slowly to the point where. Ogier just becomes worse and worse each. Ogier gets worse and worse because even the, the dog and the cat says he remembers that he 
is supposed to, to love. Remem- he doesn't love, to her. love her. He remembers that he's supposed to love her. Yeah. Exactly. But he doesn't feel anything. And he even mentions at later on that he felt nothing. Mm-hmm. He felt absolutely nothing, which if you know anything generally about serial killers, that's people who have no emotion or specific no emotions. Basically, a lot of times in order to feel something, sometimes people like that end up becoming murderers. So in a sense, he was kind of already uh, a bad dude, but I don't think he was this bad. No, absolutely. I mean, like, he he wasn't great. I guess And when I was talking about them being bandits or whatever, I was actually going to say, and then we got off the topic, but less like they're bandits and more like they're basically kind of like the people of Skellige. They were like Viking raiders. Okay. And that was kind of how they did their fortune. So it's not like a great thing, but it wasn't like calling them bandits was wrong because it wasn't like they were just going around indiscriminately murdering or whatever. Okay, because that makes more sense because that that is more in line with like what's going on in the world in general. Like that's commonplace for this world. Yeah. It, it, is, but it is definitely implied like that. that the whole family, like that was their family lineage was people who did that sort of thing. Yes. So then he got even worse when all of his emotions were stripped away. Right. And, you know, discovered he couldn't die and all, so on and so forth. And just like he just became this empty husk that just couldn't do, go away. The thing for me is... And so then he summoned the cat, the dog, and the um, groundskeeper to try to give her, like, companionship that he... Re- on some so the level... The cat and dog was for companionship. Yeah. The caretaker was the very last thing he summoned because he knew he wasn't coming back. Yeah. Because he was like, at this point, I'm causing her too much pain. Mm-hmm. And he realized he needed to leave, but he just didn't... He knew that he was supposed to love her. He just didn't know... He just doesn't didn't, love her anymore. Yeah. He just knows that that's the decision. He chose her, so he knows that's the decision he made before, so he knows that he's supposed to. He just doesn't know that he does. And so, basically, at the very end of this, so now this DLC has had, just like with the Baron, has made me feel bad for a mega terrible dude. Absolutely. it's almost... Aside from just being a kind of a terrible person before, basically just like a standard Skelligan... Or like, he wasn't necessarily a bad guy, like, completely. And, and it, yeah, this, this third bit makes it clear how everything that's wrong in his life is because of Gaunter. Exactly. As soon as he made the choice to get his fortune back the way he did, everything went wrong. And even though he got what he wanted, which in the end was Iris, it didn't matter because... Well, everything has gone wrong. Well, more importantly, and it's the way it's actually what Gaunter says about it at the end of the third quest, which we'll get to in a minute because that was a thing. But specifically the way Gaunter words it is, you get what you ask for. You don't get what you want. Yes. And so he got Iris, but he doesn't love anymore. He doesn't feel anything. He can't die. And what's really confusing to me is what did in order to end the whole pact? Gaunter, and to get his soul or whatever, Gaunter has to give him three things. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense, though, because Olgierd already got what he wanted. He already got, for, for lack of a better whatever, his fortune back in the parents doing the thing. He got Iris. What are Where did these three other things come into? I'm sure that was part of the original deal they negotiated, and I honestly... From the impression that we got of both characters, I'm pretty sure Gaunter threw those in 
for free because it, it's very clearly implied. It's basically straight up said around this time that Gaunter really likes dragging it out to maximize suffering. Oh yeah. Because when you talk to the, after you complete the third thing, and we can talk about that in a second, when you talk about the, the professor, mm-hmm. what he does to that professor. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, so once you, the question I have before we move on to the, to the professor and the, apex of the 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 completion of this quest line how did you resolve iris okay so when you get to the end iris has for some context on this iris has the flower in this painted world and uh gerald explains that it's basically uh, they call the witchers call them pins they're the things that they attach to in life that basically hold them to the world and so Geralt makes it pretty clear that if he takes the flower, Iris will die permanently and disappear. Iris basically offers no help because she's like, I, I don't want to die because I'm afraid that there will be nothing but the void. But I don't really I, I don't really feel anything anymore. Just like that's not entirely true. It heavily implies that she is in the reason she can't leave is because she is in such turmoil and such regret and such pain after everything that has happened. Cause they even said she died of a broken, a broken heart. heart. Yeah. Her heart essentially exploded. Cause Geralt's like, well, none of that makes any sense. And they're like, it doesn't have to make sense. That's what happened. It very heavily implies that she is stuck because of this rose. She's basically, she mentions that she remembers old geared and she remember why she, she, she loves him. And all she does is want him to come back and it causes her immense emotional pain. But again, but she, she also can't very, let go. But she also very explicitly says she's afraid that if she lets go, there will be nothing but endless void, and she doesn't want that. She doesn't say she doesn't want that. She says she doesn't know if she's ready for that. Uh, I Maybe we pick different... I don't know, but she told me she was scared and did not want that. That is not what she told me. She, she said that she's scared, and she doesn't know that she's ready, but I, I don't know. Maybe you got something differently out of what she said. But to me, it sounded like if you take this flower, Geralt doesn't know if she's going to die or not. And he, you have the opportunity to, she says, well, what happens if you take the flower? And you have the opportunity to say, I don't know, or everything will be fine. And I, as Geralt said, I don't know. Yeah, same here. And then she, she, she basically says, listen, I'm not ready to give up on Olgierd because this flower is basically all I have. If you take it, I she does mention being scared, but she also says, I don't know if I'm ready or not. Mm-hmm. But more than anything, what made me make the decision was thinking back on it. That book that talked about trapping demons that we that we referenced specifically mentions they will do anything to get out of it, and that is an extremely bad thing, and that's the worst possible thing you could do is let demons out of these these being trapped like this. So I was like, I can't do it because then I'm setting the cat and dog free. I can't. I took the rose. Because if you ask her... Now, now setting them free does not necessarily mean that you set them free on the world either. Sure, but I was just saying that was the... Ju- when I went through it and I was thinking about this because... I thought about this one for a long time. Like I put the controller down and went and did something else and pondered it for a while. I did too. I sat there and I thought about it forever. And I'm like, there is no amount because when you, when you have the option of, can I have the rose? You, all you do, all Geralt does is say, would you be able to give me the rose? And then she goes, 
yes, I can. I'm ready. I'm ready for all of this to be over. Essentially, she he doesn't take the rose physically from her. She gives him the rose, implying that she is finally ready to move on. If I had to specifically take it from her, I wouldn't have because that implies she's not ready to give it up. But because all you do is ask for it and she gives it to you, I letting the demons go, whatever they may do, is moot to the point of this woman, if you don't take the rose, is going to be trapped in internal pain for literally ever. I cannot do that to a person. Whether or not I'm letting demons go that are going to go free around the world or whatever, which doesn't actually imply they basically it sounds like they just go back where they came from. Hopefully so, obviously. Well, there was evidence to imply that they go back where they come from. I don't remember if it was in the book or or if it was something they said, which I know you can't really believe them because they're demons and everything. But I, if I remember correctly, one of the decisions I made, was, the decision was also based off of, I thought it was implied that they go back to where they came from. They don't just go free. And we don't ever really find out the actual consequences of any of this stuff. Anyway, because unlike the main game, there's like no epilogue to any of this stuff. It basically ends when you end the whole Ogeard stuff in general. But so so for me, it was more about rescuing her from pain than it was about letting some demons go because the given that she wasn't sure and the demons I like it in the end, I pushed me to, okay. I just don't think I can. And, And that's she wasn't sure in the sense that. She didn't know if she was ready, but when you ask her the question of, are you ready? She comes back and immediately says yes. Because I actually went back and watched the other one, and that seems way worse to me, in my opinion, only because it basically sounds like she doubles down. If you don't take the rose from her, she just doubles down on pain and misery about her not being ready. But if you ask for the rose, she just says, you know what? Yeah, I'm ready to move on. I'm good. She gives it to you and then she moves on as gratitude. The demons specifically say, by the way, as gratitude for ending this whole cycle, you need to be careful of Gaunter Odim. Do not get in his way. And if you do, the only way to beat him is with unbroken glass. And then everything starts falling away. And I'm like, that's super ominous. What? Yep. (laughs) Unbroken glass, huh? Don't know what that is. Maybe like a crystal or something. Really confused, but whatever. Tuck tuck, tuck that one away for later. (laughs) So like, I have a nifty little piece of information to defeat Gaunter, but I'm like, cool. So even the demons are afraid of this thing. Yep. (laughs) Super not liking the situation I'm in now. So even though both both of us have finished at this point, I we've droned on and on, which partially is our fault because we kept talking about the problems of the other game, too. So I don't know. I feel like we almost owe it to people to at least finish it out. But I also don't want to rush it. Yeah. And I also don't want this to be like a two hour episode. That's a lot. Of well, I don't really care about what you want. I care about Thanks. what the people want and need. But our initial goal of trying to make this only a handful of episodes for the DLC seems pretty unlikely, regardless of what we do here. Yeah, because there's there's at least three things that I feel like need still need a deep dive in yeah. this 
in this run. So I I think we are going to have to leave it here, although I'm incredibly annoyed that we are. Yeah, we were targeting trying to get through it, but there's just too... There's this DLC. I mean, it was long, but like it was very content dense in a way that the base game wasn't. I mean, there was a ton to cover, but it was just a huge game. Whereas a lot happens in a relatively short amount of time in the especially DLC. De- de- depending on how you resolved the final quest. Yeah, which that's going to be a, a while on its own. I think. Nah, I don't know if it needs to be that long. <laughs> Fair enough. It depends. Well, I guess so. Expectations, from my perspective, are are finish this out. Talk about the 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 last part of it, and then dive and then into blood and wine. Start diving into blood and wine because. But I guess I want to give the last section of this quest line the time it deserves, and I don't think we can do that without. Yeah, it, it, it'll take a while. It. I guess it, it, on the topic of expectations, though, I will definitely say I was not in any way expecting. To come around to sympathizing with old gear. He came off as such a terrible. I mean, it was like the Baron, but like even worse than that in terms of the Baron, you know, was a bad guy or whatever, but old gear is like the worst person we've ever seen, basically. And you get this whole like he he kills his wife's father right in front of her, and you get all this evidence of he's just such a terrible dude. And then when you, when all the pieces fall together, which is why instead of talking about it broken like that, I wanted to just talk about the timeline in general. It's just like, basically all of it is Gaunter's fault. Almost all of it. Yes. Olgierd makes the decision to get in, in, in bed for lack of a better term with Gaunter, but everything that he does is terrible because Everyone has mentioned that he is just mega super evil. Yeah. No matter how bad you still think Olgierd might be after all this, it is unquestionable that Gaunter is infinitely worse. He is, by no stretch, the most evil person I've run into in any of these games. Yes. Like, by far. Yes. They, they do not pull any... Because like you said, even the demons are afraid of Gaunter. Everyone. And some of the stuff we have to talk about next time just drives that home even more. Yeah. So, yeah, my expectations. I'm really looking forward to diving into Blood and Wine and giving it a real good thing. Because that's supposed to be the one that everybody was... Like, that's the one we have to play. And after coming out of Heart, and Sto- Heart of Stone, I'm like, how are they going to possibly top this? Because I was... This was really good. Yeah, I I I completely agree. So I'm excited to be di- to dive into that, so we can have that discussion. Me too. Although I, we tend to like things that other people don't. And so, sometimes that's definitely true for me because I have really strange tastes. So I almost feel like we may end up liking Heart of Stone better based off of the storytelling aspect of it. Unless it's the same, unless there's some insane, ridiculous story in the third one, too, or in the, well, in the second one, too. Uh, I don't know, but it's after what I've seen now, that's a really got, high bar to follow. Yeah. So, on that note, uh, you can find us online. We're going to, instead of uh, <laughs> having these long intros, we're, we've decided we're just going to go forward with, uh, we're going to put them in the descriptions and you'll have links right there. So, our Twitter and all that stuff will be in the links for our episodes. So please check us out. Reach out to us. We have a few different ways to communicate. We love to hear from you. Yeah, we don't want to bug you with it every single time. And I also don't like begging for reviews. So 
<laughs> it, it, it's always done... it's always felt strange to me. Yeah, I and I and, and me too. It just felt like a thing we had to do, and we eventually just decided we're not going to. Yeah, exactly. Because it always felt weird. And but thank you to the people who have left us reviews or given us a rating on iTunes or whatever other platform. We do really appreciate it. And this channel, you know, th- this podcast has become what it is because people have supported it. Exactly. So thank you, Andrew. Mm-hmm. I miss Jennifer. Jennifer.